you're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series in the Book of Ephesians. Thank you for joining me, Nathan Johnson, on an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of this incredible book by Paul. Now, let's dive into the lesson for today. Well, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Again, we've been walking through uh, the kind of the explanation or the first example of the power of God. So in verse 19, again, Paul is talking about the overwhelming power of God and the fact that the power of God is indescribable, which is rather exciting. And then he gets in the end of that thing and he says, well, let me give you a couple examples. And so we're, again, looking at the first example that Paul is giving about the powerful or the the demonstration of the power of God, uh, which is verse 20 down to verse 23, which is the life of Jesus. And again, the whole idea is, uh, how, how are you going to wrap your mind around the power of God? How are you going to understand the power of God? So Paul says, well, let me give you an example. Here is, here is Jesus, deader than a doornail, right? He is physically dead. And what does the Father do? The Father reaches his hand into the physical deadness of Jesus and raises a phys- physically dead Jesus into physical life, which is phenomenal. Please continue your excitement. And then he takes the physically alive Jesus and s- sits him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, as we talked about last time. <clears throat> and again, we've been breaking down this passage, uh, looking from verse 29 to verse 23 in a couple sections. And uh, so just for the sake of review, uh, I'm calling verse 20, or the first half of verse 20, the performance, which is the demonstration itself of the power of God. Uh, the end of verse 20 through verse 21, I'm calling the position, that he has this position at the right hand of the Father far above. Uh, verses 21 and 22, I am calling the preeminence, which is what we're going to be looking at this morning. And then verse 23, I've split into two sections, uh, one being the person, speaking about the body, and then the purpose, which is the filling all things in all ways. Uh, so I want to look again at this idea of the preeminence with you, uh, which is verse 21 and 22. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like to read verses 19 down to the end of the chapter, just so it's fresh in our minds. Uh, this is what Paul writes in Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 19. He says, I pray that you would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all things in all ways. Uh, look again at the uh, end of verse 21. <clears throat> he says, Paul, Paul writes and says that Jesus has a name, right, that he's far above every name that is named, not only in this age, but, that in us, but also in that which is to come. It's talking about the preeminence of Jesus. I love that phrase or that term, preeminence. In fact, if you just flip over a couple pages into Colossians, uh, Paul uses that phrase in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 18. And uh, this is is what Paul says in Colossians 1.18. Speaking of Jesus, he says, He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in all things he may have the preeminence. You realize that Jesus, in all things, and at all times, in all places, is to have the preeminence. And if you're like, what on earth does that word even mean? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, the word means 
I'll just give you the definition. It means to be first, to have the first place, to be ranked above all the others, surpassing all others, or superior. Now, when Paul uses that word in Colossians, that is the only time the word is used, but the concept of preeminence is all throughout the scriptures. That Jesus has the number one spot, that the reality of all things is Jesus, that the center of all things is Jesus, that he is above everything, right? Not only in this age, Paul says, but also in that which is to come, that everything's been placed underneath his feet, that he has the preeminence, that he is ranked above all others, he is first, that he is superior, uh, that, that he is surpassing all others. Again, earlier in the study of Ephesians, we talked about this over and over and over again, but that Romans 11.36 passage, right, that we have on the wall over here now. But that whole idea that if, if you were to summarize the entirety of Scripture in one verse, uh, if you were to say, what, what is all of Scripture about? I think one verse that you could describe all of Scripture with is Romans 11.36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Do you know what Scripture is about? From him, through him, to him. Do you know what the church is to be about? From him, through him, to him. Do you know what your life is to be about? From him, through him, to him. For his praise, for his glory, for his renown. That this whole thing, what what, what are we all here for? We're from him, through him, to him. That the summary of all things is from him, through him, to him. What What should your passion in life be? From him, through him, to him. So you just get this undercurrent of this is all about Jesus. So therefore, will you build your life around Jesus? Hey, would, would you let him be the very center of your life? Would you let him just be the, the delight of your, of your very being? Why? Because this is all about Jesus. Isn't that exciting? It's so simple. <laughs> you know? um, we keep saying, you know, we keep quoting 2 Peter 1.3, but in Jesus are all things for life and for godliness. So if you need anything outside of life and for godliness, great, go look somewhere else. But if all you need for life or for godliness is found in one place, quit looking in other places. And again, I don't know about you, but I cannot think of a single thing that I need outside of life and godliness, which means I need Jesus. So in the middle of my, my issues, I need Jesus. In the middle of my great times, I need Jesus. In the middle of my life, I need Jesus. In the middle of my godliness, obviously I need Jesus. Why? From him, through him, to him. Why? Because this is all about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Do you know what we're going to be doing for all eternity? We're not going to be sitting on clouds, right, eating bonbons with no calories and, you know, skipping and playing harps. That may be included, maybe. But it seems like all eternity is just going to be a delight in our God. Why? Because it's all from him, through him, to him. And if you, if you recognize that he has a name above all names, not just right now, but forever, that he has the preeminence, not just now, but forever. That this thing is all being built upon him, not just now, but forever. Uh, if you go back a few, uh, few verses, uh, looking at verses 11 and 12 of chapter 1, again, the idea that Paul's talking about is that, that in him we've received an inheritance, and he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. And the whole idea is it's like there's this big funnel and all things have been placed in the funnel and it's all coming down to one single point. And what's the point? Jesus. That, that God has one agenda. What's the agenda? Jesus. Are you getting this? And of course we make this really complicated. But the reality is it's very simple. It's Jesus. 
Hey, would you build your life around Jesus? Hey, would you let your primary focus be Jesus? Hey, would you let the delight of your life be Jesus? Hey, when you wake up in the morning, may the first thought you have be Jesus. Hey, when you go, when you go to bed at night, hey, quit counting sheep, look at the shepherd kind of stuff, right? I mean, this is all about Jesus. So would you just get wrapped up in Jesus? What is the Christian life about? Jesus. What is the church supposed to be about? Jesus. Uh, what is every sermon that, we're, that we preach supposed to be focused on? Money. No, just kidding. Jesus. Right? Every song that we sing, if it is not about Jesus, quit singing it. Because why would we want to sing a song that's not about Jesus? Because the reality is the entirety of our life is about one single thing. Jesus. Do you know how easy this is? Christianity is not that complicated. Just Jesus. What is theology about? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the doctrines. Woo! Study doctrine. Do you know what doctrine's really about? To study of Jesus. And if your doctrine is skewing you away from Jesus, you have the wrong doctrine. If your obsession is pulling you from Jesus, you have the wrong obsession. If you're going to a church that never talks about Jesus, you are in the wrong church. Because church is about Jesus. So, so you begin to recognize then, this is all about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. See, I, I want to be a Bible teacher about one subject, Jesus. And whether I'm in the Old Testament or the New Testament, I want to focus on Jesus. And if I'm singing a song and I'm a worship leader, I want to be a worship leader with one focus, Jesus. And you can say, well, that's going to get boring after a while if all you ever preach is Jesus and all we ever sing about is Jesus. And, and then I would say, you don't know Jesus. Because the reality of Jesus is it gets, he gets richer and better the more you get to know him. This isn't like some... Tired, uh, tired old subject, we're just like, yeah, 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 I've heard that one before. This is, wow, I've heard that before and it gets better. It's like chocolate. I've never gotten sick of chocolate yet. <laughs> right? That's not like I've eaten a piece of chocolate. I'm like, well, been there, done that. I guess I'm done with, I'll go find something else. This is, no. <laughs> the more I eat it, the more I want it. <laughs> you know? For the glory of Jesus, you know? Jesus is that way. What, what would it look like, again, to be like the little kid in a pool of chocolate who's just, who has one craving and one prayer? Oh, God, increase my capacity, right? Hey, would you have that with Jesus? Hey, would you just go after Jesus? Could, could you give your attention to Jesus? Could, could your whole focus and delight and love be centered about Jesus? When someone thinks about you, what if, what if the word that they always associated with you was Jesus? Because your whole life was wrapped up in Jesus. Now, that's, that's the idea that Paul's talking about in verse 21. And again, he says that Jesus has this position far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And get this, he is far above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now, we've mentioned this before, but names in Scripture are not just names, right? Names means something. Na names showcase character and nature and attributes and attitude and life kind of stuff. Right? Classic example, uh, Jacob, whose name means lying, deceiving, manipulator. Right? What, how, how did he live his life? Well, he was a lying, deceiving, manipulator. And here he is. He wrestles with God at Peniel, and God says, no longer am I going to call you Jacob. In other words, I'm talking about your character here. 
No longer are you going to be this lying, manipulating, deceiving kind of a character named Jacob. I'm going to change your name, meaning I'm going to change your character and your nature, and now I'm going to call you Israel, which is the prince of God or the one who wrestles with God. That God says, hey, if I change your name, I, I am changing your character kind of stuff. So again, names become significant. So when you see a name, it shouldn't just be like, oh, that, that's, a, that's a nice name. It should be, what does the name mean? So you look at scripture, and over and over and over again, God is revealing his names. He says, do you know, do you know who I am? Do you know what my character is? Do, do, you know, do you know what the heartbeat of who I am is? I, I am Jehovah Jireh. I'm the God who provides. I'm El Olam, the everlasting God. I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Right? I'm El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. Right? So as God begins to reveal his names, he's not just giving you, well, call me Bob. You know? <laughs> call me Bert. You know? and, and maybe on occasion you can call me Joe. Right? That's not what God's doing. He's saying, let me reveal who I am. And yes, you can call him Jehovah Jireh and El Shaddai and you know, El Olam. That, that, you can call him that. That's true. Those are his names. But more than just a name, it's, it's speaking of his identity. It's who he is. These are his characteristics. Isn't it interesting that Paul says that Jesus has a name that is above all other names? That it's not just he has this name. Oh, what's his name? Jesus. That's the greatest name ever. So let's call him our kids Jesus. Because if that's the name, I mean, might as well call everyone Jesus. That's not what he's saying. He's saying Jesus and his identity, his character, his nature, his attributes is far above and far superior than any other name. Which, which person has the character of Christ? Which person has the nature of Christ? Which person, which, which angelic or demonic or human force can ever trump Jesus? Nobody. Why? Because he's preeminent. He's above all others. Uh, this is what one scholar said about the name of Jesus. Listen to this. <clears throat> he said, Christ's name shall never be eclipsed by any other name, nor shall there ever be a name worthy to be coupled with his name. In other words, on the same level. In human history, we find no name that can be fitly coupled with Christ's. In the world to come, it shall ever shine forth with unapproached effulgence, meaning beauty and amazingness. All that is... All this is said to exalt our sense of the divine power that so raised up and exalted the God-man, Christ Jesus, the same power that still works in believers. In other words, there will never come a point when someone's like, ooh, I'm almost as, my name's almost as great as Jesus is. <laughs> I mean, in the human sense, you know, we have like Alexander the Great, right? And he thought he was a pretty good guy, so we called him great, right? Now, you might be able to get on Alexander the Great's kind of a level, but you're never going to get on the level of Christ. That you're never going to get to the point where your name is synonymous with his. Why? Because his name is above all others. He's preeminent. Isn't it interesting when we pray, we, we end our prayers typically, and in the name of Jesus, amen. Isn't that interesting? Do you know why we do that? Well, because if we don't do that, God doesn't hear it. <laughs> Just kidding. Right? It's, not, it's not the sin button on an email right? where we're having this great prayer and we're praying in the heart you know, with, with, the, with, the, with the attitude and the mind of Christ and then we get done and we don't say in the name of Jesus, amen, and God's like, I didn't hear that one. You didn't, you didn't say in the name of Jesus, amen. 
So I'm not, nope, I'm not listening. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> That's obviously not true. Right? Why, why is it that we say, in the name of Jesus, amen? You realize we say that because what we're declaring is that what we're just praying is done in the authority, done in the nature, in the heart, in the character of Christ. Which means what you are praying better be done in the nature, the attitude, and the character of Christ. If, you're, if your praying is selfish, God, I, I, need, a, I, need, a new, uh, I need a new Ferrari. Right? I don't know if that's in the nature and the authority and the character of Christ. Right? God, I need a million dollars. That would be awesome. Right? Now, do you need to pray for provision? Probably. Do you need to pray for transportation? Probably. But you realize that when we pray... The praying should be done in accordance with his nature, with who he is, with his heart. Making sense? Which is why we get done praying, saying, God, everything I just prayed is in accordance with you. That, that it's lining up with your word, with your nature, with your heartbeat. Amen. That's, that's the idea. Uh, let me just give you a couple of verses here, but, uh, and you know these, but John 14, 13 Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do you realize that we are to ask in his name? And, and not just name like Bob, Joe, right? It's the idea that we're asking in his character, in his attribute, in his nature, in his life. John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, we're asking it according to his name. So get this. Here's a great quote. The name of Christ is the essence of his person, his nature, his preeminence, his majesty, his kingly rank, his all-compassing authority, his holy, loving interests, his divine pleasures, his timeless commands, his perfect virtue, his exemplary deeds. To pray or speak in the name of Christ is to do a thing by his command, fortified in his all-compassing authority, exerting his kingly rank, his holy, loving interest, his divine pleasure, his timeless command, acting on his behalf and promoting his cause on this earth. That's what we are doing when we're praying or speaking in the name of Jesus. And by the way, just as a fun side note, isn't it fun to realize that we as Christians partake of his name? We were talking about that on Saturday with the students. But isn't it a phenomenal, phenomenal reality that we are called Christians? That we are the ones who bear his name, which means we are to bear his character and bear his attributes and bear his nature and bear his very life. That when someone looks at us, they, sh they should say, Woo, you are a Christian. Yeah, how do you know that? Because you look like Jesus. What do we need to be known as a Christian? And that I'm not living according to my name? See, when, when I go to prayer, I don't pray in the name of Nathan. It has no authority. has no power. It ha has nothing. So when I pray, I must come in accordance with him and his will and pray according to his heart and his nature and his life. In the name of Jesus, Amen. I just love the thought that I get to bear that, that the reality of who he is wants to indwell my life via the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that I get to be the carrier of his name in this world. So 
again, when you come back to our passage in Ephesians 1, verse 21, again, Paul says that his name is far above every other name, that there is no greater name anywhere, that Christ is the one who is preeminent, that, that Christ is above all. In fact, uh, later on in <clears throat> verse 22, he says that he's been made head over all things, that, that he has the supreme position. And not only that, if you look at, it says, his name is far above every other name, not only, verse 21, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Uh, you got to get into the mindset of what Paul's talking about. He's, he's speaking of the Jews, and in the Jewish thought process, there was two different ages. Uh, there was the age, the, the current age, where the reality of, uh, of God's rule was not fully manifest. In other words, God's in charge, we understand that, but, but the enemy is working, and, and the enemy has forces, and so it's not fully realized. But then the Jews had this idea that there was this age to come where the rule and the sovereignty and the power of God was going to be fully manifested as, as, as a, or revealing to the fact that he is king. So what Paul is, is picking up on then is this idea that he has a name, not only now, but for all eternity. It's not only now in this age, even where the enemy just seems like he's, he's gaining an upper hand and things are getting dark and it's getting concerning. Jesus still has a name and a life that is above all others right this very moment, but also for all eternity. And by the way, just as a fun side note as well, you realize that as Christians, we get to live the reality of the coming age now in the present age. That the reality of Christ being fully king and and sovereign and ruler over all, we get to demonstrate that now in our lives here in the current age. Does that make any sense? I think that's neat. That in the mind of the Jew, there was two distinct ages, and we haven't yet arrived at the coming age. And yet as Christians, we are taking the coming age and bringing the coming age in the present age. Of course, Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer that on earth, earth as it is in heaven, that we're taking this reality and dragging it into the present reality. I think that's kind of a neat idea, isn't it? That the way you and I get to live is if Christ, in fact, is king, that he is sovereign and ruler over all, because he is. And so you and I get to demonstrate to this world in this present age that Christ is king, that he is preeminent, that his name is, in fact, above every name, not only now, but for all eternity. So think about how this applies to your life. You realize what Paul is saying is Christ is preeminent. His name, there's no other name that will eclipse his. There is no other person who will ever reach his level. Christ is center. Christ is superior. Christ is number one. Christ is all. From him, through him, to him are all things. For his praise, for his glory, and his renown. If that is true, shouldn't that be true in our lives? In other words, if that is true in reality, shouldn't that be demonstrated in how we live and how we talk and how we think and our actions, whether publicly or privately? See, shouldn't someone look at our lives and say, wow, your, your life is about one thing. Wow, when I look at how you spend your money, it just seems like you're really focused on one thing. Hey, when I listen to how you talk, you seem to, you seem to have one focus in your talk. What is that for you? See, is your life truly demonstrating that Christ is preeminent? That Christ 
is center stage, that Christ is superior, that Christ is first in your life? Or is he just an add-on? Because the reality of the Christian life is that Christ cannot just be an add-on. The reality of the Christian life is Christ is all. That is the reality of the Christian life. That if you were to summarize, if you were to squeeze someone's life, what should come out of them is Jesus. Because Christ is all. So is he all? Are you being distracted by all the stuff of the world? Uh, what I'd like to do, just as a, an opportunity for meditation, just pondering Jesus, is I want us to delight in the names of Jesus. Because his name is above every other name. And uh, years ago, we, we created a film called He Is, and if you've never seen it, you should watch it. We're not going to watch it. You should watch it, though. Uh, what I want to do, though, is I, I want to read you uh, a different list. It's, again, it's just the names of Jesus, but they're organized differently than on the He Is video. The He, he Is video is just chronological from Genesis to Revelation, uh, the names of Christ. But what I want to do is I want to read them in such a way where they're packaged around themes. And it'll probably take me about 10 minutes to read them all. I mean, his name is above every other name. So I just want you to just ponder the depth and the reality of that when we say that the name of Jesus is far above, that, that his name is not eclipsed by any other name, do you realize that, do you, do you recognize the depth of what his name really is? So just, just listen to his names. <clears throat> he is a son given, the son of the living God the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, the firstborn of every creature, the Son of the highest, the Son of the blessed. And by the way, if you want all the scripture references, uh, we can get those to you later. Uh, he is the mighty God, the everlasting God, the true God, God my Savior, overall God blessed forever, the God of the whole earth, God manifest in the flesh, the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, and thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. He is the Almighty, which is and which was and which is to come, the creator of all things, the upholder of all things, the father of eternity, the beginning and the ending, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the life, the eternal life, which was with the father, he that lives. He is the word, the word that was with God, the word that was God, and the word is God, the word of life, the word that was made flesh, the image of God, the image of the invisible God, the express image of his person, the brightness of his glory. He is a child born, the scent of the father, the prophet of Nazareth, a prophet mighty in deed and word, a servant, the Nazarene, the carpenter, a stranger and an alien, a man of sorrows, a worm and no man, even the accursed of God, who humbled himself unto death, even death upon a cross. He is Jesus the Savior of the world, a Savior which is Christ the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, Jesus the Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord, Jesus Christ the righteous, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus of Nazareth, Lord Jesus, Messiah, anointed, the Christ of God. He is a Lamb of God, a Lamb without blemish and without spot, the Lamb that was slain, the lamb in the midst of the throne, the way, the door of the sheep, the shepherd of the sheep, the good shepherd that laid down his life, the great shepherd that was brought again from the dead, 
the chief shepherd that shall appear again. He is the vine, the tree of life, the corn of wheat, the bread of God, the bread of life, the hidden manna, a plant of renown. He is the light, the true light, a great light, the light of the world, the light of men, a light of the Gentiles, a star, the bright and morning star, the day star, the day spring from on high, the sun of righteousness. He is the strength of the children of Israel, a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in distress, a refuge from the storm, a covert from the tempest, the hope of thy people, a horn of salvation. He is the rock, my strong rock, the rock of ages, the rock that is higher than I, my rock and my fortress, the rock of my strength, the rock of my refuge, a rock of habitation, the rock of my heart, the rock of my salvation, the rock and my redeemer, the spiritual rock, a shadow from the heat. He is the builder, the foundation, a sure foundation, a stone, a living stone, a tried stone, a chief cornerstone, a precious stone. He is the minister of the sanctuary and of the tabernacle, the minister of the circumcision, and thy flesh is the veil which was rent in two. He is the temple, a sanctuary, the altar, the offerer, the offering, the sacrifice, and his life is a ransom, and he is the lamb that was slain. He is the forerunner, for us entered even Jesus. He is the mercy seat, the priest, the high priest, the great high priest, the mediator, the daysman, the interpreter, the intercessor, the advocate, the surety. He is the gift of God, his unspeakable gift, the chosen of God, the salvation of God, the redeemer, the Shiloh, the peacemaker, the most blessed forever. And thou art the one of whom the Father says, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. He is a faithful and true, the truth, a covenant of the people, the covenanter, the faithful and true witness, a witness to the people, and he is the amen. He is the holy one and the just, the holy one of Israel, the holy one of God, and he is holy, holy, holy. He is the beginning of the creation of God, the firstborn from the dead, the first begotten of the dead, the firstborn among many brethren, the first fruits of them that slept, the last Adam, the resurrection, a quickening spirit, the head of the body, the church, the head over all things to the church, the head of every man, the head over all principality and power. He is the captain of the host of the Lord, the captain of salvation, the author and finisher of faith, a leader, a commander, a ruler, a governor, the deliverer, the lion of the tribe of Judah, an ensign of the people, the chiefest among 10,000, a polished shaft and the shield. He is a Lord of lords, Lord both of the living and the dead, Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of peace, Lord of all, Lord over all. He is the Messiah, the Prince, the Prince of life, a Prince, of the, a prince and a Savior, the Prince of peace, the Prince of princes, the Prince of the kings of the earth, and his glory of his people Israel. He that fills all in all. He is the king of kings, <clears throat> the judge, the righteous judge, a scepter out of Israel, David their king, king of the daughter of Zion, born as a king of the Jews. He is crucified as a king of the Jews, the king of saints, king of nations, king over all the earth, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, the king of glory, the king in his beauty, crowned with a crown of thorns, crowned with glory and honor, crowned with a crown of pure gold, crowned with many crowns, and he that sits king forever. He is a king and a priest over the order of Melchizedek, 
the one likened unto Moses, a refiner's fire, a fuller's soap. Thou art the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds. He is the rain upon the morn grass, as showers that water the earth, as rivers of water in a dry place, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land, as a hiding place from the wind. He is as ointment poured forth, fairer than the children of men. He is a crown of glory and beauty, a stone of grace, a nail fastened in a sure place, a brother born for adversity, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a friend that loves at all times. His countenance is as the sun, his countenance is as Lebanon. Yes, he is altogether lovely, and thou art my beloved and my friend. Uh, when he was upon this earth, he was obedient, meek, lowly, guileless, tempted, oppressed, despised, rejected, betrayed, condemned, reviled, scourged, mocked, wounded, bruised, stricken, smitten, crucified, and forsaken. But through it all, he is still merciful, faithful, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate, perfect, glorious, mighty, justified, exalted, risen, glorified. And he is our portion, our maker, our husband, our well-beloved, our savior, our hope, our brother, our helper, our physician, our healer, our refiner, our purifier, our Lord and master, our servant, our example, our teacher, our shepherd, our keeper, our feeder, our leader, our restorer, our resting place, our, our meat and our drink, our Passover, our peace, our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, and our all in all. He is the bridegroom, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, a bundle of myrrh, a cluster of henna blooms, blooms. He's our Jesus. Isn't that amazing? His name is above all other names. Not just his name, his life, his character. And not just for now, but for all eternity. Let's pray. Lord, we do just celebrate you. And we do declare that you are above all. And not just your name, not just this word, but your life, your character, your attributes. Lord, we don't want to be Christians in our own strength, in our own resource, in our own abilities, in our own name. Lord, we don't want to fight temptation in our own name. Lord, we don't want to pray in our own name. Lord, as Christians, we want to be the ones who bear your name. We are carriers, the vessels of the very presence of God. And we are the ones who get to bear your name and declare your name. And when the world looks at us, they are to see you through us. And Lord, what would it look like if we began to recognize that you have no equal, that there is none like you, that this is all about you and from you and through you and to you for all your glory and all your praise and all your renown. And Lord, what would it look like if our lives truly were about the preeminence of Jesus Christ? Lord, what would it look like if, if our whole lives were centered upon and focused and built around and Lord, what if, you would, what if the world would squeeze us and what came out was you? Well, what if our every thought was somehow centered upon you? What if the words out of our lips was all about you? What, what if the actions of our life declared you? Or what if, in fact, we were Christians? And somehow our lives reflected the reality of who you are. Lord, you are the one with the preeminence. That the centrality of all things is you. 
Lord, I want my life to declare that. Lord, I want my church to declare that. Lord, I want the body of Christ in this generation to declare that. That it's not about our pet doctrines. It's not about our, our theologies. It's, it's, not a, it's not about our techniques. And it's not about our talents. And it's not about our abilities. And it's not about whatever. Lord, this is about you. And somehow, Lord, could we embrace the foolishness and the simplicity of just you. For all things that we need for life and for godliness is you. That the summation of the whole church is the head, which is you. So, Lord, would you start with my life? Would you be preeminent in my life? Would you be center in my life? And then, Lord, would you somehow grab a hold of the church, my church, and be preeminent in my church? And then will you grab my community and be preeminent and center in my community? And then grab my nation and then grab my world because, Lord, we want this all to be from you, and through you, and to you. Because that's just the reality of all things. And, Lord, we want to worship you this morning. We don't want to just sing songs. We don't want to just go through the motions. We don't want to just pray in our name. We don't want to just sing in our own ability. We don't want to just, Lord, we want to delight ourselves in you and declare that you are worthy because your name is above every other name. Not only in this age, but forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Lord, we love you. And we do pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this study from the book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com. This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you'd like to view the video version of this study, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians. Know I am cheering you on as you build your life around and upon Jesus Christ. See you next time.